is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I am good. How are you doing today? Good. It's getting close to the end of the season now. The weather's starting to get a little warmer. You get that little feel like the postseason's upon us. But I got to tell you, EJ, we feel like it's so close but so much can happen over the next 10 days, right? I mean, everybody's got between five, six games left here. So it's an eternity for, eternity for teams like the Islanders, Penguins, Florida. I think Buffalo's still very much in the mix. Calgary, Nashville, Winnipeg. So it feels like we're very close to the end, but so much can happen here in the next 10 days. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Buffalo, you're right. Buffalo, I kind of counted them out, and they're still sneakily in the mix. Because they've got two games in hand um, on uh, and three games in hand on the Islanders, and uh, you know which can be good and bad because we've seen these teams they've had to play a lot of games in a short period of time. I mean, Buffalo's going to have to play a couple of back-to-backs. I think they played four games in the last five days because they have a makeup, so that's challenging in itself. And four of them are on the road, so. Um, I don't think it favors them in that regard, but you can't count them out because they have those games to play. They would have run the table. They'd have 95 points. So, I mean, they'd be right there. So we'll see. I mean, the Islanders didn't help themselves over the weekend. That's two back-to-back losses got blown out in Tampa and then had a tough one-goal loss in Carolina. And Florida and Pittsburgh, are, you know, they, they won the games they needed to win. So here we are. You're right. I mean, and the only thing I think we really know is that Toronto camp are going to play first round. That's it, yeah, right? And, uh, you know, and I think that's really it because even on the other side, I mean, there's nothing, not a lot of stuff locked up. I mean, the Central is three teams with one point difference between three clubs and in the, in the Pacific, there's uh, two points difference between three teams. So, I mean, it is crazy tight as we come down the stretch. You're right, a lot can change. Yeah, I know. And, and listen, we've talked about Buffalo because of all those makeups that they've had games in hand and They'll win two, three in a row, and then they'll fall out of it with a couple of bad losses. But watching them up close on Friday against the Rangers and and seeing this Devin Levi, it kind of gave me that Sean Burke kind of feel to it from way back in the day with the Devils in 88. Like, I know it's only one game, but he played so well. He didn't play the next day because he's not going to play the second of back-to-backs, but um, maybe a little infusion of something here. They, they've really struggled to find consistent goaltending since Ryan Miller. I mean, could that be kind of a injection into something that can kind of make Buffalo interesting here down the stretch? Well, it doesn't hurt. I mean, goaltending is certainly uh, it's a big deal, right? So, I mean, if Devin Levi come in and play, you know, in the games that he's going to play and a couple that he's going to play, if he comes in and plays really well, that gives him a chance to win those games. They still got to get... You know, they have seven games left, and as I mentioned, a couple of back-to-backs, so I don't think he's going to play all of them. So, you know, they're going to need some of their older, older goalies to play well, and they're going to need their team to play well in front of their goaltenders. But, you know, the big picture for Buffalo, I mean, these seven games, I mean, play to win every game, let the chips fall where they may. I mean, the Buffalo Sabres, I think, have made a lot of progress this year. And the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, when you look at their roster of players, I mean, they got a legit number one center now in Cage Thompson. They've got uh, a, a Norris Trophy candidate in Rasmus Dahlin. They've got Owen Powers going to continue to develop. Uh, they got a number of really young, good, good young players around those guys I mentioned. Um, and if they get Devin Lee 
coming in, and, and you know maybe he's going to help solidify the goals. I mean, the Buffalo Sabres just going to continue to get better. I mean, they they have a, a roster of players that are in their group that they could end up being a real monster in this league in the next you know several years. So uh, you know we'll see how it plays out right now. I think they're playing with a little house money. I don't think they're going to make it because I think that schedule is tricky with all those games. But right. you know what? You never know. I mean, if they win their game, all they could do is win their games. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. All right. I'm going to make a statement, and you tell me whether it's hyperbole. Am I going a little crazy, or am I making sense? You've got Carolina and Boston likely will be the top two teams to face the wild cards in the playoffs. Devils mm-hmm. still have a chance to catch Carolina, but I, I, I just, I'm not feeling it. Um, Carolina still has a game in hand. It's three points. It's going to be tough to overcome. Yeah. Islanders, Penguins, Panthers. Let's include the Sabres. I think, and it's not even close, the only team that can beat Carolina or Boston that have a chance. And, again, of the four, I don't even think it's close, is Florida. I, I give the Islanders, Penguins, Sabers little chance. I give Florida by far the best chance. Am I crazy? Well, I've always thought you were crazy, John. I mean, that's about <laughs> many years now. But in this particular instance, um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that I would say of the teams when you look at it, the Florida Panthers. Last year they were the President's Trophy winners. They had kind of a lot of ups and downs this year, but they've got some. They got some real firepower up front. I mean, they got. You know, Matthew Kachuk is a 100-point guy again this year, which is he's on a short list of players that have changed teams that have had 100 points in each of those seasons. Um, Barkoff has had some injury issues this year, but he's playing right now. If they can get Sam Bennett healthy, declare without most of the year, he adds a lot of speed to their group. Um, you know, I haven't been crazy about their defense all year, although playing offense this year. Um, you know, Bobrovsky is a He's a veteran goaltender that has played pretty well down the stretch, and they get in, it'll be because he continues to play well down the stretch. And so, yeah, I think they're they're kind of a wild card. They like chaotic games. They don't like mixing it. They don't mind mixing it up. I mean, the key is can they keep the whole roster healthy uh, in a playoff in a playoff series? So I, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, the Islanders have have the puncher's chance with Sorokin, and they would have to grind a lot of games. I think it would be harder for them. Uh, Pittsburgh has been very inconsistent all year long. I mean, obviously Crosby is uh, a difference maker, but I just don't have, know if I have a lot of faith in their defense of their goaltending right now. And, uh, you know, in the Buffalo Sabres, we just talked about them. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to get there. And, you know, if they do, they might be one of those teams just real happy that they got there. So, um, so yeah, I, think, I do agree with you. I think probably Florida is the most dangerous out of those teams. Yeah, and we'll see if Barzell can get back for the Islanders. They desperately need him. They just struggled to consistently find offense, and I think that's their problem. And as you mentioned, I just don't believe in Pittsburgh's goaltending. I think they've been, as you said, inconsistent all year. And, you know, we've been waiting for Pittsburgh here because they've got so many seasoned guys, but how many consecutive years has this team not been able to get out of the first round with these same guys? You know, and, and yeah. certainly against teams that were much more beatable than the Boston's or the Carolinas that they're going to have to face in the first round. So that's why I kind of threw it out there. Anything's possible. You know, obviously yeah. you never say that you never say never to any of these matchups in the postseason. It's just that, and Florida's had its inconsistencies as well. But I just think that 
they're they're not that far removed from the President's Trophy last year, and I just feel better about them than any of the other teams. Yeah, if I if I like their defense a little bit better, if they had a, like another top four guy in their group that I felt really good about, I would feel better about them. Because you're right. I mean, they have Barkov is a legit number one center, hard to deal with, plays 200 foot game. I mean, they've got as I mentioned. I mean, the players, you know, Kachuk and Claire, Bennett, and Verhage has got 40 goals this year. So I mean, um, you know, they're a dangerous group. I think you're right. And the other teams, I would agree, they they are definitely the most dangerous. And I think, you know, when you look at the two teams at the top, Austin and Carolina are both uh, have. You know, both really good teams. I mean, but I think Carolina is a little more vulnerable than Boston just because they're missing Sveshnikov. And, you know, Boston's had this historic run, and Boston is going to get some players back, too. I mean, they're going to get Hall back. Uh, if he's not back already, I haven't checked him the other day, and he's getting closer, and if he's not in already. And then Polino uh, and Forbert on defense. I mean, Boston Bruins are loaded. I, I have, I'd be hard-pressed to see anybody beat Boston Bruins in round number one. All right, so now we talked about Last week, who do the Rangers match up better with in the first round, Carolina or New Jersey? You said you wanted to see that matchup on Thursday. I was in the building. I was impressed with the way New Jersey played because they they went about the business a little bit differently than they had previously. They were able to clamp down, held the Rangers just 23 shots on goal. The only Ranger goal came on the power play. I was really impressed with New Jersey on Thursday. Yeah, and I think they had a point to make in that game. They were at home ice. They have been kind of... uh struggling up and down over the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks. Because they've had such a great season. They've had, you know, a couple fooling with their lineup a little bit. They've added, obviously, a big-time player in Timo Meyer, trying to get him settled into the mix. And, you know, sometimes, you know, these things happen. It's a long 82-game grind. The Devils know that they're in. They've had a wonderful year. So I think that they, uh, you know, they wanted to make a point in that game, and I think they played very well. And, you know, it'll be a great series. I mean, uh, you know, to, to the conversation last week, I mean, you know, I, I still think, you know, and, and I, this is no knock on Carolina, you know, but I, I just think the Rangers are more comfortable playing Carolina. Uh, okay. The Devils are, are, you know, again, it's it's the local rival. It's the, you know, no matter what the Devils are in those season, they can be the whole, they could be the second seed and have the home ice. I mean, I still think the perception will be that the Rangers are the favorite. And uh, the Rangers got to the conference final last year. I just think that there's just a lot of other intangible, psychological things that go into a matchup between uh, local rivals that don't go into that matchup uh, against a team like Carolina, who they were able to beat last year. So, I mean, they're both really good teams. And if the Rangers, whoever they play, they're going to have their hands full. The Rangers are a really good team as well. When they're playing well, maybe it won't matter. Maybe they're just better than both those teams. We'll see. But um, yeah, the Devils. Uh, you know, I think that you know that I just the Devils to me are such a wild card because they haven't been in in a while, and they've got dynamic players up front that uh, you know really can make it hard for you. And their defense has played very, very well this year. Zadachek has been has been good for the most part. So you know they're they're like a wild card to me. I could see them going out in the first round meekly, and I could see them going to the mm-hmm. conference final. I mean that's kind of the, that's kind of where I see the Yeah, it's crazy. Open. You know, I want to give some love to out you West. Mentioned, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Sean Burke right before. I mean, remember that Devils team that went on that run that year? They made the playoffs on the last day, and they got to the conference finals, I guess it was against Boston. I mean, it was unexpected. I, don't, I, I think this is a different 
type of team and 30 years ago, but still a vibe to me that I think the Devils could, you know, they're kind of a wild card. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, there's no question. I know we only got you for a couple more minutes, um, but going out west, you know, we gave love to the Kings and they clinched a playoff berth in Vegas, but Edmonton has been on fire. 9-0-1 in their last 10. They've got the third best goal differential in the NHL right now. Connor McDavid's playing out of his head. Dreisaitl's got uh, a ton of goals. I know we kind of changed things up, but you know, Edmonton, I guess, is very much in the conversation coming out west, right? No doubt. I mean, they were a Final Four team last year. They got a better group this year. I think they're more consistent in their goaltending. Stuart Skinner has been really good down the stretch. Jack Campbell's played better. Will he get colder and, votes, uh, you think, Ekholm. Skinner? Uh, good question. You know, I, I would think so. I mean, it's kind of a wide-open year for rookies, right? I mean, a lot of people like Matty Benier, and he's had a good year, but, like, uh, there's other rookies that have played well. The kid in Columbus is you know, up over 20 goals. Now, he's had a nice year for himself. And so, you know, he should. He's had a really good year. So. No, it should be a lot of fun. I know you're up against it. We had some technical difficulties, so we got to you a little bit late today. But uh, thanks so much, man. Enjoy your week. And uh, looking forward to next Monday when we might have a little bit more resolution. A little more clarity. And just two Mondays from now, Don, opening out of the playoffs. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Wide open. Thanks, buddy. Uh, you got it, Doug. Yeah. All right, that's EJ Raddick. He was up against it, and we're recording this. It's almost 1 o'clock Eastern time, and we usually convene at like 12.30, but we had some technical difficulties, but it was good to kind of get him on there. And, you know, Edmonton, Anthony Pusick's pick months ago to represent the West, and you kind of forget last year they went to the conference final because they got swept, but the goaltending's better. McDavid's been better. Dreisaitl's been better. You get, you know, a healthy Kane involved in this uh this is a really really good and scary team in the postseason and you know we talked about this on friday you know Connor mcdavid's got what what is it now um 146 points and six games left so he's easily going to surpass 150 he'd become just the seventh player in nhl history ever to eclipse 150 points in one season and i think listen one of the reasons you don't get a tremendous amount of love around the country is because you play in Edmonton. It's kind of like what's going on with Mike Trout and baseball playing out in Anaheim. But now, you know, you went to the conference final last year. If Edmonton were ever to make a run to be a legit cup contender, you know, McDavid is going to be a major part of that. I mean, he's had some playoff experience, um, but not a ton. And the exposure, you know, the whole thing, you play late games, you're out west, you're an Edmonton Oiler, but it didn't hurt Wayne Gretzky. And I'm not saying he's Wayne Gretzky, but to this generation of fans, he really is. I mean, he is just so head and shoulders point-wise of everybody else. And you forget about Dreisaitl, who's now got going to be 50 goals. I mean, how often do you see two teams to be able to produce two 50-goal scores? You know, McDavid's over 60 goals. I mean, if he goes on a toot here in the last few games of the season, he might approach 70. We haven't seen that a long time in the NHL. So, you know, you're trying to find some new blood, right? And I know there's always that, you know, do you want the Canadian teams to make a run for television ratings? Screw all that. You know, it's about growing the sport and growing stars. I mean, one of the things the NBA has had over, you know, baseball and hockey in particular, let's leave football aside because of the juggernaut that it is, it's about selling and marketing your stars to the point where it's almost more important than the teams you play on. 
you know, LeBron James was able to, you know, be a stud playing in Cleveland. You know, now he's playing with the Lakers and the and Miami Heat, but, you know, he's played a lot of years in Cleveland, not exactly a a hotbed for um, you know, uh, you know, commercials and it's not like it's New York or LA or Chicago. You know, so but the fact like who cares if Austin Matthews plays in Toronto? Who cares if Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl play in Edmonton? It's just about exploiting these stars and being captivated by them. And I, I give ESPN and TNT a lot of credit for putting a lot more Edmonton Oilers games on. But once you get to the playoffs and if you're a legitimate cup contender, you know, it's really not gonna matter because you're gonna get that exposure that you're looking for. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun here down the stretch. Edmonton can still win the division and to have some new blood involved in this thing here. And to uh you know, have the original six teams be good too, but sometimes I feel like this sport is too driven by the Rangers and the Bruins and the Blackhawks and the Red Wings and to a certain extent the Flyers and the Penguins. It kinda has that same feel of the same old teams all the time. But to be able to get you know, the Oilers and getting a lot of excitement around them and the Golden Knights and, you know, the Kings back into the fold now after a couple of years of uh, of not being a, a a cup caliber team. And even getting New Jersey kind of back in the fold, too, kind of a lot of fun and and having Hughes get some excitement around him. So uh, let's close it out with your uh, tweets at Donald McGregor, hashtag game misconduct. Usually don't get a chance to do this on Monday, but we got some extra time here. Um, Sean asks, hey, Don, with the end of the season fast approaching, who do you think is going to win the awards for Norris, Adams, Vesna, and Calder? I assume McDavid is winning the heart, and you would assume correctly. You know, talking to EJ, I think there's an excellent chance that you're going to see Skinner get votes and possibly win the Calder, although Veneers uh, has done a great job in Seattle, 20-plus goals. Uh, Norris, does it go, you know, when you look at just the sheer points that um, that Carlson's been able to put up in San Jose, and uh, Morsi's going to get some votes in Winnipeg for the year that he's had. Vesna's very interesting, too. Uh, Got to dive a little deeper into that. Um, Jack Adams, and we've talked about him many times here on Game Misconduct, I do get votes um, for that. And, and, and listen, I think that there's a, there's a lot of opportunities for just so many different coaches. I always kind of look for the overachievers, you know, teams that we didn't expect a lot from that had great years. And when you look, look at it that, I mean, it's hard to ignore what Lindy Ruff has did. And I don't think anybody had the Devils in the playoffs, never mind being three points out of possibly winning the division and being a two seed in the Eastern Conference. They had a rough night last night in Winnipeg, but that's a quick, you know, second of back-to-back Chicago-Winnipeg late in the season, having overcome the emotions of the Ranger win. Um, so that's kind of forgivable in Winnipeg, just so desperate to hold off Calgary for that final playoff spot out west. So I guess it's forgivable. They've got a big game coming up against Pittsburgh as well. Devils always feeling like they have to prove themselves, and whenever they have to, they seem to. We saw that on Thursday against the Rangers, and even though they didn't play well, they did get two points out of Chicago. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens at home uh, against Pittsburgh, but certainly I would probably say Lindy Ruff has to be the guy that I would look at as being the Jack Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year. What a tremendous job. Remember, they didn't get off the fast start either. They got off to a slow start, kind of feeding in to the narrative that this was going to be a bad year for them, and boy, did they bounce back. Joe asks, hey, Don, I know you don't work for MSG. Actually, I do work for MSG, but that's besides the point. But perhaps you can put in a good word about something. During the shutdown, they showed classic Ranger games. It was amazing to watch the old days. I'm confident fans would love more. I I will throw it out there. 
you know, the one thing about MSG, they don't have any summer sports, right? Once the Rangers and Knicks are done, they don't have anything until the hockey and basketball seasons ramp back up again in October. So I will put in a word. I don't know how difficult that is to do. They have the rights to all the games. I'm an old school guy. I love watching all those games. And I, I would, if I do talk to somebody, I will throw that out to you. Um, that's the old perception. I don't work for the Rangers. I technically work for MSG. So I can definitely get that in there. Mix in a water, asks, an OTL from Pittsburgh, overtime loss, and a win from for Florida on Tuesday would put the final three teams in the East at a tie with four games left. If this becomes the case, how do you see it playing out? Well, as I mentioned earlier with EJ, I think the best team of all those teams is Florida. I do. And now, there's questions about their blue line. Certainly, they lost Uyghur during the offseason. But they've got talented players. They've been there um, recently. They went to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 1996 last year. Um, seem to be finding their game. They can be frustrating, too, and inconsistent. All those teams can. But I'm going to bet on Florida. As a matter of fact, because of the games in hand they have on the Islanders, I guess it's one game in hand, um, I think they can actually avoid Boston and be that one seed for the wild card. I mean, you take a look at the... Um, the games Florida has left on their schedule. I had it up here. I'm going to punch it back up again. Here's what Florida has on their schedule. They are home against Buffalo, so that's a big game for the Sabres. Really, this is probably the last hurrah for the Sabres. If they can gain two points, that would be huge. Home against Ottawa. So clearly, those are two winnable games. At Washington, and I got a firsthand look. I called that game last night in Washington. The Capitals, you know, no TJ Oshie. They did get Carlson back. But that team's pretty much cooked as well, 77 points. Um, It's pretty much over, just a matter of how many more points or how many more goals Ovechkin can accumulate here so we can do the math on how long it's going to take him to pass Gretzky. Still a tough team you know, to have to face, and it's a prideful team, and Laviolette will have them ready. But clearly, if you fancy yourself a playoff team, you should be able to win in Washington. And then they close it out at home against Toronto and home against Carolina. Toronto's already locked up. Um, their situation with um, who they're going to play in the first round of the playoffs, and we know that's going to be Tampa Bay. Uh, The question now comes in, is there enough time for them to get home ice? And um, right now, Tampa sits four points back of Toronto and have played one more game. So Tampa's got five games left. Toronto has six. So that's going to be tough. So by the time you get to the second and last game of the season – it's certainly possible that Tampa's already going to be locked into the three seed and not have any reason to play. And the same for Carolina. Carolina might have already clinched the Metropolitan Division. So even though those are two tough games, Florida gets them at home, they may be two teams that are kind of just coasting through to get to the playoffs. And that certainly can can behoove um, the Florida Panthers in getting to the postseason. So that's kind of where I'd probably lean. Um, Pittsburgh, let's take a look at their schedule down the stretch. Uh, they've got some tough games. They're going to be at New Jersey, home against Minnesota. Minnesota's battling for first place in the Central Division. They're going to be at Detroit, a team that's already beaten the Penguins last week. And then they're home for Chicago at Columbus. So if you at least look at the last three games for Pittsburgh, all winnable, Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus, even though two of the three are going to be on the road. But two huge games against tough teams at New Jersey, home against Minnesota. So I think if Pittsburgh can navigate through these next two, 
they can be in pretty good shape. They sit with 86 points, minus one goal differential, by the way. So I'm going to, I think after those two games are over, if they win both of those games, they're going to feel pretty good about Pittsburgh. Now, the Islanders struggling to score goals. They've been now for a while. That's kind of their MO. But as EJ said, tremendous goaltending. Here's what they have down the stretch they're going to take on Tampa. At home, they're catching the Lightning in a second of back-to-backs because the night before the Lightning are going to be at the Garden. Then they're home against Philly, at Washington, home against Montreal. So the the worst thing for the Islanders is the sheer number of games played. They've played seventy-eight games, and in a quick glance here, they play the most games in the National Hockey League. They've only got four games left. So that means they're going to be sitting watching, you know, Florida, who's got a, uh, one less game, Pittsburgh, one less game, Buffalo, three less games, and you kind of crossing their fingers and toes, hoping those teams lose. Plus 13 goal differential is the best out of the bunch. One better than Florida's plus 12. Everybody else is at minus. But the Islanders, not that tough of a schedule. I think they're going to be okay. My prediction is going to be, I think Florida is going to be the one wild card. The Islanders are going to be the second wild card. I say Pittsburgh misses. And for the first time since 05-06, Ovechkin and Crosby will miss the playoffs. But I'll feel a lot different about that if uh, you see Pittsburgh win those uh, next couple of games. That would actually uh, be a pretty good thing. Uh, Let's try to squeeze in one more tweet josh says best players to never win a cup has how about oats and gardner into the discussion yeah two classic hall of fame players uh that did not win cups you know oats always played with you know some good teams boston st louis just never was able to win the cup and mike gardner one of the great players in the history of the league over 700 goals um trying to think if he even played in the final because he was not on that 94 team with the rangers I don't think, you know, all those years in Toronto and Washington, I'm not even sure. I don't think, um, and Anthony could correct me if he knows off the top of his head, I don't think Mike Gardner even played in the final, which is which is baffling for as long as he's played and how good he played, but just never seemed to be able to hook up with the right team. Just three games in the NHL tonight, all exclusively out west. 8 o'clock, Golden Knights of the Wild. That's a huge game for both of these teams as both of them trying to hold on to first place in their respective divisions. Minnesota's got a one-point lead on Colorado and Dallas. Colorado has a game in hand on both Dallas and Minnesota, so a big game for the Wild to kind of hold on to first place. And Vegas, one point on the Kings, two points on the Oilers, and this is the Golden Knights game in hand. They've played 76. The Kings and the Oilers have played 77. So that's a huge game in Minnesota. Nashville is at Dallas, so we just told you about Dallas with a chance to catch Minnesota for first place. And Nashville, let's not forget about them. They're five points out of a playoff spot, but have two games in hand on Winnipeg. They've only played 75 games, so that's a huge game for Nashville to kind of stay alive. Every time I'm ready to throw dirt on the Predators, they come up big. And at 10 o'clock, Arizona is going to be at Seattle. Seattle has that first wild card with 90 points. They're not going to get into the top three in the Pacific Division. So one point lead on Winnipeg, but they've only played 75 games themselves. So, you know, Calgary's only three points back at Seattle, but Seattle's got two games in hand. Nashville is six points back with the same amount of games played. So Seattle's in great shape to make the playoffs in their second year. 
And I really don't think it makes much of a difference if they finish in the first or second wild card because it's not like the East where you want to try to avoid Boston. It's been incredible. So it's either playing Vegas, Minnesota. Heck, you can play Colorado, Dallas, L.A., Edmonton. I mean, right now, it could be any combination of teams. Like, any of those six teams can win the division. And the only thing that we're kind of locked in here is it does appear Seattle and Winnipeg will be the two wild card teams or Calgary or Nashville were set with the top three in each division in the West, but any of the six can win their division. Any of them can fall to three, and I think it's going to be pretty pretty important uh, to win the respective divisions because it's going to be a war. Kings, Oilers, we saw that last year. Vegas, Edmonton, if you look at the regular season matchups, both have been very competitive. EJ talked about you know Minnesota wanting Colorado and Dallas to beat up on each other, or, or maybe to be Minnesota and Dallas beating up each other, or Colorado taking advantage. Winning the division is going to be vitally important, so there's so much to get into here in the National Hockey League. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, we'll be back with you on Wednesday. I'll do it live from the Garden. I'll be calling the Rangers and the Lightning uh, coming up on Wednesday. That should be a fun game. Could be a possible conference final preview. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure Boston's going to have something to say about that. Uh, but we'll be back with you on Wednesday. We'll get more dialogue with you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. There's always a way to get in touch with me. Thanks to Anthony Pusick. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.